Thank you for listening to Christian Family Church Podcast. Here at CFC, our mission is to live and communicate the power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to the world around us. From wherever you're listening, we hope you'll be encouraged by this week's message. So now, I don't know if I'm going to bring you back to earth or not. You might just want to keep praising. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, Mandy. (laughs) You can just listen instead. This morning, I want to talk about who am I or who in Christ I am, which sounds a little complicated, but I've been thinking over, over many years, I have found that my thoughts about God, about myself, have changed dramatically, especially in the last little bit. And that's what I want to talk about, just how my thinking has changed. So I'm going to go through the first bit fairly fast, because I know some of it I've said before, some of it I haven't, but then I want to get on to the second part, which I think is really important. But no, I can't say that. The first bit's really important too. <laughs> can't say that because the first bit's who is God. <gasps> and that's far more important than the second bit, which is who am I. <laughs> so who is God? You remember with Moses, with the Israelites... He's arguing with God and saying, well, who am I that you're going to send me? But then he says, all right, well, then who am I going to say is sending me? And God says, I am. Those, that name to me is the most profound name in the world. I am. If you've ever sat and thought about it, it's just life, absolute life. It's... It's everything. So he said, I am a sent you. But I was thinking about God and how I had thought about God through the years. And I started off as a little child. We had this most wonderful hardback comic book. And I loved it. I think I looked at the pictures even before I learned to read. But the problem was... This comic book was very graphic. I still can remember, I can just see the picture. There's Solomon on his throne. There's two women before him. Solomon's holding out the baby and there's the guard with the sword about to come down and cut the baby in half. Now, if none of you know this story, you need to go to... I'm not sure if it's Kings or Samuel, but go and read the story. But this is in my mind's eye. There's, there's the, they're going to cut the baby in half. And then there was David with his foot on the chest of the giant and he sawed up to cut off the head. And then in the New Testament, there's someone with, a, with the head of John the Baptist on the plate, right? Okay. This is my thinking, in a way, about God at that stage. We used to go to church in the morning, kids' church in the afternoon, and then church at night. And at night, 
it always, this is my perception as a, as a five, six-year-old, the minister would be ranting and raving and yelling and all about hell and damnation. Now, this brought to me my thinking of God as a God who you have to do as he tells you. You must obey him. You've got to get everything right. You've got to do it all. Now, I can't say that that understanding came to me for many, many years after, but that was my understanding of God. But then, in the afternoons, as I said, we went to kids' church and I learned about Jesus. And I learned that he was all love and that he loved me, that he died for me, that he... I saw the picture in that Bible of, of all the children sitting on his knee. So my picture of Jesus was just total love. But two separates. I'd heard about the Trinity, but I didn't understand. Do you know, it took me till I was 30, till one day I'm hopping in the bath and it was as clear as clear. Not words written, but just voice. Jesus is God. I'm, I really believe God said that to me. Jesus is God. Well, I sat in that bath for an hour thinking about it, marrying the two together. To think that I could get to the age of 30, but in my mind, not understanding, I knew Jesus, I knew God, but not taking in that understanding that they were one and the same God. They were the same. Then, what about the Holy Spirit? I didn't hear about him in church. I didn't hear about him in kids' church. I knew about him, about the events of Pentecost, what he had done in the church then. Again, it was a couple of years after I realised, brought these two together in my mind. So you don't realise all through these years that you're thinking that way until it comes together. But then, it was actually someone from this church at that time that started in our, in our KYB to tell us about the Holy Spirit and who he was, who, what he did, that he was the power source, that he was my friend, that he would help me, that he would teach me, that he would do, comfort me, that he was as every bit as important as God the Father and God the Son, that they three together were God. So even though I taught in Sunday school and taught about the whole, um, and I did in latter years talk, teach the kids about the Holy Spirit. I even brought the kids from the Uniting Church here to see a service, see what the difference was. <laughs> but I don't think I brought you, Andrew. I think it was after that. <laughs> but, yeah that I began to see who God was as a whole, that my thinking was, was up the creek, that I needed it to know who God was as a whole. And this also, I have to say, affected my thinking about reading the Bible. When I was little, we had to promise that we would read the Bible every day. Now, thinking about 
you think about how what I've said of my thoughts about God. Well, there's no way I could break that promise. And I read it every day. But do you know, it wasn't until after these discoveries, I know, still in those same few years when I realised all this, one day I picked up my Bible, I put it down, I'd been reading it, I put it down and I said, God, I am fed up with this. I am sick of you saying, do this, do this, do this. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. I don't want to read you anymore. And I didn't for quite a long time. But God, that was the best thing I could ever done. Because God showed me, if you put the three together as God as one, then the Bible is totally different. It's not a book of rules and regulations. It's a book of love. It's everything mixed together. But this took me on a totally another journey because in that understanding I began to ask questions of in that case what do I actually believe about myself is it a fact is it a lie or is it the truth of God what do I believe about myself I've had all my thinking about God up the creek. Well, what about me? Um, if we could have 1 Corinthians up for a minute, please. No, don't put that up. Don't put that up. Put up 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, no. Five, seven, two, oh, well. Oh, it's a different translation. All right, we'll read from there. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Now, I still know Christians who believe that they are a dirty old Christian, a dirty old sinner saved by grace. I still know people who believe this way. They don't understand that God has done it all. He's taken their sin. He's forgiven them. We're sure we're still going to sin. I know that and you know that. Every day we do something. But God has forgiven us. He has taken away that sin. Made me think of the prodigal son. When he came home to his dad... And he said, Dad, just let me be a servant. I'm nothing else. And Dad said, bring him the robe. Bring him my ring. And he put the robe over him, but it wasn't just to cover up the dirt, the sin. It was to say, this is my child. This is my son. The ring on his finger. This boy, this son, he belongs to me. The sin, the dirtiness has gone Gone, I think the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, have I forgiven you. You can't get east and west together, it's impossible. So, where does that leave me? All my life I had been struggling, trying to do my best, 
all the way through school, I had to be the best at everything. I had to get it right because from my understanding of God, from things my parents said, all of us are affected by so much in this life. We're affected by our culture. We might grow up in a culture that is very uh, knit together. My daughter-in-law is Polish and every weekend, all the whole family, which is huge, join together in a party for something. But Australians don't seem to have a culture. We're not like that. We each go and do our own thing. I think we could learn a little bit from the others. But, yeah. And then from our, our growing up, from our parents, how much do we learn from them? And, look, I'm never going to speak against parents. It's just so hard. First child we experiment on, second child we experiment on more, but are a bit more lenient, and we just, you know, it's, it's, it's hard work. And my mum had always said to me, do your best, that's all you have to do, do your best. But for me, to do the best meant you've got to be good enough, you've got to measure up. It's not what my mum was saying, not at all. But that's what I understood it to mean. You've got to do it. You've got to be the best. Right from when I was a tiny kid, I was trying to do this. My, teacher, my daughter, sister tried to teach me to read. She was a brilliant reader. And I was five and she was eight. And she was going to teach me to read before I went to school. Well, she got the little red hen. And she thought she was teaching me. I learned it by heart for her. She got me the next book. I didn't have a hope. <laughs> That's not funny. I got to school. Teacher brings out the flashcards. I couldn't read it. I walked home that day at lunchtime. They didn't keep an eye on kids those days at school. <laughs> I, I walked home, I think it was a kilometre, across quite busy roads, walked in the door and said to Mum, I'm not going back, I can't read, and burst into tears. Of course, I was taken back, and I still remember that teacher. She was beautiful, as she explained. No, you learn to read. It's okay. It's okay. But just different things in my upbringing taught me that I'd never be good enough, that I'd never make it. Even my dad, he, oh, he did this in such a loving way, but he used to sing, Inky Pinky Ponky, Deirdre is a donkey when I did something silly. Now, I didn't see that that was anything terrible for a long time, but in, into my head I got, oh, I'm not as clever as my siblings. I can't do what they do. They're the clever ones. All these lies I was believing but didn't know I was believing them. They were lies. And I challenge each one of you to think about what do you actually believe about yourself? How do you react when something happens? When someone criticises, do you immediately get angry and cross? I certainly did. Still inclined to. Because you're protecting yourself from that lie that's in you. Every time you're angry, what did someone say or do that didn't suit you? What is it? What lie is it that's causing you 
to believe and react in the wrong way. Because we don't know that we're believing the lies, so how can we change our thinking? How can we re change how we're going to act? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 to 5 says, and I'd better read it with the, what you've got. Uh, I've obviously got the wrong scripture. <laughs> right, okay. That weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments. This is my favourite verse. And every pretension, yeah, if I had this here, I'd be thumping it, and sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That is our weapon. The word is our weapon. And I have put up, um, there is a list of things I've, I've put up of how to use these weapons. And it's number one, recognise when you're reacting in a way that is not godly. Recognise when you want to thump someone. You mightn't do it, but you know you're thinking it. Remember when you want to bite back at what someone's saying. Think about what you're doing, how you're reacting, and then ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you why you're thinking that way. I will guarantee he will talk to you. He will tell you why you're thinking that way. He may do it in a dream, a vision, through a novel. I don't know how many times God's spoken to me through novels. He knows it's the only way to get me. <laughs> but he will speak to you in the way that's right for you. And he will tell you, if you're willing to listen, he'll tell you why you're acting in that different way, why you're responding to that person. Instead, of if they've said something that offends you, well, why did it offend me? Not long ago, I know I, I was listening to a podcast and it was only when Kerry told me later on, but I said to Kerry, oh, because I told her I really loved this guy listening, Bill Johnson, and then I said to her, oh, I'm not, oh, all that stuff he said in that sermon, she said, which sermon was it? And I said, oh, I think it was, oh, I can't remember. And then I said, she said, but why did you act that way? Why are you, what is your reaction about? And I hadn't even realised at that stage that I'd reacted how I had. I wasn't listening to this man again. And I thought, I've got to go sit back and listen to him again and see what it is I didn't like. Why am I acting this way? Am I buying into a lie I've told myself? Is he telling the truth? Or... Is he contradicting God's word? What is the truth of this? And God will show you if you ask him, what is the truth of what you think or believe 
because we need to know what God's truth in it all is. We can't go through life, believe, well, we can, but it's very hard believing a lie. Many of you will know, you do know me, and so many have said to me, you're overdoing things, you're doing too much, and you know why I was? I was believing that lie. I've got to be good enough. I knew, I would say to you, no, no, there's no way you can earn your salvation. You can't do it. And that's the truth. And I don't know that I was trying to earn my salvation, but I was trying to be good enough from what I'd learned as a little kid. That you've got to be good enough. You've got to be the best. You've got to do it all. And no one had actually taught me. It's how I'd taken it in. Then the next step in this is be willing to face the pain of these memories. This journey is not easy. Some of the memories are, are very easy, like that little rhyme my dad used to sing. I could just see it now and it didn't hurt at all. But different things happen through your life that will build on these lies. I'd had many things happen in my life when my husband left me and all. Not good enough. Things build in your life that you build onto the line. They go from that to that. That lie becomes so big. So you've got to be willing to sit down, think, why am I thinking this? What's the truth? What's the lie? And sit with it. Be willing to cry before God. Be willing to cry out your pain to him. He wants you to. He wants you. I, know, I like nothing more. If I'm in a state like this, I'll be down at the lake in my car, away from everyone, looking at the lake and just crying and telling God how I feel about it all, what's going on inside me. He wants that more than anything. He wants you to know him. He wants, he wants you to know that he knows you inside and out. And he wants to reveal the pain causes so that you can deal with them and be free. Jesus came so we could be free totally. But it takes a lifetime. It does take a lifetime for all of you who are, who are over 70 or whatever. It, it's just, it's a lifetime of learning. It's a long journey. It's painful. But it's worth it. Every minute of it's worth it because you get to know God more and more. You get to love people more and more as you see the journey that each and every one's on. We need to be gentle with ourselves. When I'm saying all this, try and find out what you're looking at, what you're facing. Be very gentle with yourself. God doesn't want you beating yourself up. Just tell him that I've thought of this. You lead me in the way you want me to think about it. You do it, but don't bash yourself up. I, have do I used to do that for years too. Bash yourself up. What a rotten sinner I am. But that's a, another lie, isn't it? Satan will feed you every lie he can, let's face it. He gets it at a most vulnerable point, vulnerable point. And he knows he's got me because I'll just start crying. Yeah. So 
once you face the pain of, of the memories of what's going on, make sure, as I said, that it lines it up with God, then use your weapon. Use your weapon, the word of God, to combat that wrong belief you have. There are, I've actually put up the back a list of different verses you can say. This journey has come about in the last few years from a couple of courses that I had attended about who you are in Christ, being emotionally spiritual as well as... Uh, what is it? I can't remember. Anyway, being strong in the emotions spiritually as well as being physically strong. That to know God, we have to know ourselves in a way. But be, just be gentle with yourself. Don't try and be like I was. And if you are, well then look, be brave enough to look at it. Look at the word of God and what he says about you. And I know I've said this many, many times, but who you are in God, you are precious. You are the jewel in his crown. He loves it when you talk to him. He loves it when you just sit with him. Sometimes I get down and I say to God, I've got absolutely nothing to say, but let's just sit together. You know, husband and wife, how often you might be reading books or one's watching the telly and the other's reading but you're together. You're not talking big, deep things or anything else. You're just there together. And God loves that. It gives him time when you're just sitting there quietly with him. It gives him time to get your attention and talk to you. Just to be quiet and listen. And I've found that a hard lesson to learn, actually. The little book I had said, just start with two minutes. Yeah, I can do that. Not a problem. <laughs> two, uh, by the end of one minute, my brain had gone off with the fairies. <laughs> I wasn't thinking about the scripture I read. I wasn't thinking listening to God. I was away with the fairies. It takes practice. All of it takes practice. But you've got a lifetime. God knows your lifetime. You don't but he will enable you to learn what you need to know if you're willing to let him. Now, in saying all of this, I have forgotten one really important thing. I said that we weren't dirty, rotten sinners anymore and that we were cleansed. But if there's anyone watching online or even here who has never, ever given their life to God, then I can't say that you're cleansed and forgiven. You're not. If you want this freedom and this learning with God, this journey, this adventure, you need to give your heart to Jesus. And it's not just words. It's not just words. It's, it's the Bible says, if you believe in your heart that Jesus raised from the dead, Believe that he is God. We need to ask him to be the boss of our lives. We can't be boss anymore. We've got to be willing to give it all up. Before you give it all up, you've got to count the cost. It says that in the Bible too.
Look at what you're doing before you do it. We need to give our lives to believe that he died for us, that he took our sin, that he rose again, that we might have eternal life, that we might be with him, that he will lead us, guide us, teach us. I think of some of the younger ones. What adventures are you going to go on? The adventures I've had of going to New Guinea, the Philippines and all. I wish I was back your age to do it again. It's, it's just so exciting. When you're willing to do whatever God wants you to, it's amazing. So keep on with the journey. Keep on. But it, by study, it has been um, said that you, to change your mindset, if you've got a wrong mindset, you need to say the right thing, the scripture, for 40 days. I thought the 40 was very significant. Don't quite know how, but they said your brain will be changed in 40 days. The first time you read this list I've done, this is what I did, and already I believed a lie to begin with. I read the first, one of the first ones, and it said, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Do you know what I did? Immediately, I said, immediately my mind said, oh yeah, you've not got any salt left, you're not light anymore, oh yeah. And it was only as I looked at it again and sat there with God and thought, here we go again, a lie immediately. If God says I'm the salt of the earth and the light of the world, then I am and Lord help me to be it. You've got to catch those thoughts immediately if you can. Ask God to help you every day. Catch the thoughts that are a lie and take them captive. That's why that verse, and I'm going to read it again. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. That's the bit I like. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Catch the little lies. Catch your thinking. I am what God says I am. In God's grace, I will continue on to be and grow in him. So if anyone wants one of those sheets, they're just sitting up the back there with the scriptures on. Yep, let's pray. Father, you know our hearts, you know our minds, and you know our thoughts. Lord, we bring them to you. You know where each of us is. Father, we ask in Jesus' name that you would help us to grow in you. Strengthen us in the inner man. Strengthen us, Lord. Help us to cry out for help each time we need it to cry out to you, to ask the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us each day. Lord, we just want to say we love you. We give ourselves to you and we thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.